What is this? Who stands before me? Oh, hey, didn't see you there, freak. Sorry. Uh, well, who stands before me happens to be Adam Onslaught. His uh, mortal name is Adam Hayward, if you know him better by that. We like to call him Adam Onslaught. He is the host of Midlands Metal Radio show in the UK. Uh, he interviews many bands and artists in the industry. He works behind the scenes in the industry, and he's just a genuine music enthusiast and a uh, fascinating human being. Um He's just my heavy metal brother over there in Birmingham, which happens to be the birthplace of heavy metal because it's the birthplace of Black Sabbath. So naturally, we talk a lot about that. Um, we also talk about his fitness goals and why we started talking in the first place was because he reached out to me and uh, Death Comes Lifting for some training advice because it was stuff he could resonate with and we've just kind of stayed in contact and stayed cool with each other ever since so it was really a pleasure to talk to him offered a lot of insight on you know like i said what he does in music and just getting his glimpse into like the uk sort of lifestyle and culture and how that relates to music how it's different from here in america is pretty pretty fascinating stuff he's a super smart well-spoken guy um his voice is way cooler than mine so you'll you'll enjoy that um, I hope you I hope you enjoy it. You will enjoy it. It's it was a, it's an awesome awesome musical talk. If you feel like nerding out about some heavy metal, this is the place to come. And uh, let me know what you think. Um, keep crushing it. Enjoy. Be inspired. Inspire others. Black Sabbath forever. Fuck 'em. So yeah, man, like I was saying, um, only, uh, for the context, for the, for the freaks out there, uh, why don't you just lay down a little bit of who you are, how you got started in the rock and roll business and the, the awesome work you do with media and, you know, bullshitting with freaks like me online and all that stuff and uh, how you got here. You're, you're at a ripe age of uh, 25 years old, if I'm not mistaken. That's absolutely right. For the record, I am 25 yeah. years old. 25 it's years. Yeah. <laughs> if only that was the case zach no, I'm, um, I'm i'm on the sunny side of 45 so that, that'll you, be you look like you're 25 because you follow a death comes lifting workout routine and dietary advice absolutely i mean we've talked for quite some time now about this and we have. Uh, discussed uh the journey as it were you know it's a and it is a journey and um which you never really get off. You kind of you stick to the road and sometimes there are bumps in the road. And, you know, I often struggle, you know, I, I struggle with my mental health and I struggle with my fitness and my, my diet and, you know, but every single time that I do think that I fail, I kind of just step back and go, you know what, just get back on it, just get back on the journey and just, you know, carry on and continue. I, I try and strive to do that. It is because everyone, you know, the easy thing to do is to eat well, live well. Suddenly you eat a pizza and drink, you know, six or seven beers and 
the mental uh, approach to it for me anyway often is oh screw this that's it done but you're not going to eat pizza and drink beer forever that's just not possible so I mean, it is possible but i wouldn't don't don't think you get much longevity out of it no 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 you wouldn't i don't think so <laughs> <laughs> you could try but uh, you probably wouldn't live very long yeah but um no i've been i've been you know you and i started talking to each other quite some time ago and uh over social media we sort of i reached out to you and said you know i need some help i'm i'm thinking of doing this thing where i sort of try and improve my life but i need some i need to connect with somebody that's more like-minded than the usual you know when you go down the gym and you've got all the you know the guys who look like they pump themselves up with a with a with inflatable you know, walking around like they've got a, a coat hanger in the back of their t-shirt yeah, yeah. Uh, like this yeah yeah i know the, the listeners but you know what i mean that sort of thing and i i can't relate to those people i i, I really can't i've always struggled with those people uh not that these you know if that, that's how they choose their life then that's absolutely fine and i don't have a problem with that but for me personally i can't connect with people like that but i think music is a motivator. Uh, it, it's, it's, it's been a huge motivator for me over my life. I mean, I've been a DJ now for uh, 35 years and a broadcaster for 10 years, the last, last 10 years, interviewing, doing radio work, and now I'm working for MMH, the home of rock radio. Just give them a little plug there. Please do. You're fantastic at it. Everybody, uh, if you have the time, take a listen. It's uh, very awesome. I wouldn't say that about stuff I wouldn't listen to. And I, I check you out often, man. Not just because I like you. It's, it's awesome. Well, I try and mix things up. I, I put bands together with bands that you're more familiar with just so, to demonstrate that the fact that these are the bands that you may have not heard of yet are just as good as the bands and just as exciting as the bands that are more established that have been around for years. But in terms of working out and music, yeah. To me, the connection is very, very clear. The identity is really, really clear. The, you know, it, it's for me. I, I create a, a, a listener, a listening sort of playlist. <clears throat> um, you have to a playlist on me. my Spotify still. Absolutely, Death comes lifting. Yeah, man, it's there. You can you can hear what Adam pumps iron to, and the, <laughs> as always, the updating Death Comes Lifting playlist. And I try to do the same shit that you do on your radio shows: expose people to new bands that they might not know about that are motivating and killer and all that shit. Yeah. Absolutely. And I, and I really don't understand why more people don't do it. You know, I mean, rock and metal music is, 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 is great to work out to. Um, I really enjoy it because I identify more with that. Um, and funk and soul as well, to a degree, you know, I mix oh, my, yeah. my music yeah. up quite a lot. Yeah. I like things, you know, to be a little bit different sometimes. It depends, you know, music defines your mood and your your mood defines the what the way you choose your music to listen to the way you consume it. But when I'm working out, I really enjoy listening to, to music that gets me pumped. I remember the first time, I think it was back in ninety ninety-three. Correct me if I'm wrong. Rage Against the Machine's debut album, Rage Against the Machine. Sounds right. Was a, a really important album for me um, because it was almost like an awakening in terms of 
that raw aggressive energy that that sort of punching the air sort of aggression i remember i think the term losing my shit Mm. uh, to that album i remember looking you know just going yes this is me this is politics this is anger this is angst this is everything it should be in a piece of music and in a record you know fuck you i won't do what you tell me exactly that's what's up that's the idea that album was great and we we talked um about music that gets you motivated um i remember the hearing the first chords and drum intro to jailbreak thin lizzie hell yeah what a great record that was and that's another great one in fact i'm going to add that to my workout playlist because that's not right currently on there. jailbreak live yeah live and dangerous live and dangerous jailbreak if that doesn't <coughs> fire it up you don't have a heartbeat absolutely absolutely but you know i think music is a great motivator uh particularly for me more of the hard rock probably less or so metal these days um I'm sure your age man well oh, i don't you know like I'm, metal you're in. i do love metal i do love it and there's always a place in my heart for metal and and hard rock and rock no i'm but, just busting you know, your balls man i yeah. love everything <laughs> but we, we we've we've talked about many different types of music and and i really enjoy listening we'll i like i like the creativity i like the creative element of, of, of music i enjoy that the most absolutely and, and uh we'll definitely get into uh, that mute we've taught music for uh seems like hours on end before so i'm sure we'll have no problem doing that later ben but um i'm really glad i just want to say that death comes lifting resonated with you to the point that you reached out to me and we've uh kind of started as this kind of like sort of coach client sort of relationship although it's not official or professional at all we're just kind of like developed this cool friendship over music and uh you know inspiring and working out and you're across the world right now you're in birmingham and i'm in pittsburgh and you know we talk pretty often and i i think that's a that's really badass you know, it is. for lack of a better word, that's that's really badass. And um, all you just described is that you know you can't relate to the gym crowd, and you know you need some external source of motivation in the form of music. You can resonate with somebody like me. Like that is really all that it's about, man. And that's the reason why I did this. So you're just a true testament to the nature of of the beast, man. And I uh, really appreciate that. That like that means a lot. And uh, I'm glad we can do this. And I look forward to what your next what your uh, next goals are because we haven't talked in a little bit, so maybe we can kind of lay it down and see what see what we can do. That's it. Like, now it's now it's being recorded. I have to stick to it. Yeah, we're in now. Yeah, it's right, like yeah, police I'm, testimony. I'm putting you. Yeah, I'm putting you out there. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> this is how, how I snaked my way into holding you accountable. No, no, no. Well, just to bring you up to date with the recent events, as it were, that have sort of started looking after my health a lot better. I have started going back to the gym on a regular basis every morning from sort of eight in the morning till sort of half nine. I haven't been doing lengthy sessions at the gym because I think you have to kind of find in your day where it can fit. Whereas, although I'm most of my day is dedicated to producing my radio show and producing other bits and pieces for other people, it's hard being uh, busy and trying to maintain a you know 
positive gym relationship and uh you know put enough time it is but it's, it's important to, to do that though but you have to you have to make that designation um and give time for yourself and i feel like a huge hypocrite saying that because there's so many times throughout the days and the weeks that i personally neglect my personal health in terms of you know focusing on business instead or like staying up later than i than i should to do xyz man but um we all struggle with that and we all struggle with mental health and they're they go hand in hand and if you can lock down the physical health and get yourself in a routine and be mindful of what you put in your body then you will become more mindful because that is like literally the nutrition you're giving yourself is mindful so your body will grow and you'll be a more mindful being Absolutely. You have to give yourself mental stimulation as well as physical stimulation. It just falls into place like that. And um, going back to what you said earlier about not relating to the gym crowd and, you know, you you, just to put into context, you've struggled with weight for a while and mental health, but we all do. And I do want to say for people that aren't in the fitness world, there seems to be this kind of veil over like all these people at the gym, you know, they may like act this way, but at least they're like, you know, they look great and they're probably, you know, that dude that's, you know, you were describing as a coat hanger in his back is all jacked up and the jock rock kind of guy and fucking listens to Creed and like, you know, he must have a shit together because he's so confident, right? We're not, we, we may look good. And I, I know a lot of people, man. I know a lot of people in the fitness world that are the most insecure and unhealthy people you ever meet. And they kind of wear, and you know, myself included, at least in the past, just because you look like a bodybuilder or because you have abs or whatever, that does not mean you're healthy. And there's so many fitness quote unquote professionals or even just, you know, fitness fanatics that are extremely unhealthy. But if you get in shape, it's pretty easy to stay in shape. That's the thing that a lot of people don't, don't realize is, um, it's a hard journey. It's going to be a hard journey for you if you want abs. No question about it, right? Yeah. You know, a lot of weight to lose. It's going to be tough. But once you're there, at least speaking for me personally and the, the people I'm close to that are in quote unquote good shape, I can fuck off pretty hard <laughs> and maintain a, a good figure and a, and a good look about me um, just because your body's conditioned to it. So there's a kind of... Um, I want to say like kind of kind of illusion that we on the other side of the veil of the gym are just, you know, pounding away at broccoli and push-ups and, you know, maintaining high levels of mental health with no self-doubt. And that's completely fucking false. So and we kind of wear that or use that illusion to our benefit sometimes and maybe to try to sell people training or sell people a diet or this or that. That's what I don't want to do. And I just want to be completely transparent in the fact that we're all fucked up just like everybody else. And just because you have abs or you come off as, you know, you're in shape or in a better place mentally than the person you're training or the average citizen of the world that eats fast food and watches TV and doesn't work out, it's not necessarily true. So just uh, that I hope that may that evens the playing field and makes you more comfortable and whoever else is listening more comfortable with just getting their ass into the gym and not giving a fuck what people think about them. And if our music and our playlists help that, then fuck yeah. 
but I think it's a very interesting point that you made just then, because I think that's probably why I felt so comfortable talking to you over these past few months, because your viewpoint is very based, very much based in the real world. Whereas if I was to go to a PT and say, uh, I want to hire your services. Can you, you know, can, can we do this? Can we do that? That personal trainer would be just focused on the exact service that they're there to deliver and not really take into the factors that some days people that suffer with depression, like myself can wake up in the most uncreative and uninspiring mood. Like yesterday, for example, I did go to the gym, uh, but when I came home, I felt so ill and so ran down uh, that I had to go to bed. And when I woke up, I felt exactly the same. I took some medication to try and get rid of my bad headache. Uh, and then today I've taken a day off from the gym. Uh, that's just to allow myself to recover because I, I know that tomorrow will be a better day for me. Um, whereas today it's all about just looking after myself, eating the right things, regaining my energy, regaining my focus so I can actually enjoy the experience of the gym because once I'm there and then when that adrenaline kicks in and it always seems to kick in when a killer track comes on my headphones. See that? You get the buzz and then you remember why you went there in the first place because you want to keep that buzz, that adrenaline going because it's good for your mental health. Absolutely, man. As well as your physical health. And if your mind's in the right place, then I think that your body most almost certainly follows through on that. Uh, beyond that, man, you can project yourself into the future and literally embody that with your mind. You know, you have visualizations, the first step in basically anything you want to create a piece of music or a piece of art Well, you kind of got to visualize, you kind of got to hear what you want to happen. Same thing with your body, man. You got to think about what you want to look like and think about the things you want to accomplish. And that is a huge step. That's a, that's not easy either. That's comes with meditation practice and just knowing yourself and being comfortable with your own mind, which is way fucking harder than bench pressing a hundred pounds. <laughs> I swear. Yeah. It you takes know. an awful lot more effort. Yeah. Yeah. Because man. you have to think about it. I always try and think of things in the terms of a short term, a midterm and a long term goal. Now my short term goal is just to get my ass in the gym. Uh, my midterm is to sustain a good relationship with the gym as in respect of me and me going to the gym. And for me in my head, my long-term goal is to, to, to climb another mountain. That That's what I want to do. And to do it without injuring myself or without hurting myself or without, you know, not, not having to drink, six cups of coffee before I go up there because my own physical energy energy will, will take me up that mountain regardless. Uh, two years ago, I climbed uh, a little mountain in, in, in world respects, but a, a huge mountain in Snowdonia called Snowdon, uh, which is the second largest mountain in, in Great Britain. Uh, and I have it in my head now that I want to climb Ben Nevis, which is in Scotland, which is, the UK's largest mountain. Now that seems like at the moment, that seems like a long way away. But in, in, in realistic terms, it, it's only 18 months to two years away. That's, and 
not bad. I, do I can you, do that. You definitely can do that. It's, it's no completely doubt. doable. I mean, I, I didn't think I could do the other one, but I did it. Um, when and how long did it take you to do the other one? Uh, Snowden, right? Yeah, yeah, Snowden. And Snowden. Um, what was that experience like for you and that whole thing? Can you talk about that a little bit? How yeah, it was, that was two years ago. Right. Uh, so relatively recent, man. Yeah, relatively recent. I was in slightly better shape, I would say, physically. Probably a bit better shape mentally as well before that. I um, I got motivated to do it because I saw um, uh, a friend of mine's young young son uh, suffer with leukemia. And they were raising money uh, in order for the children to be able to uh, go swimming and and do all the things that other children should be doing at the age of four and five years old. But obviously they need a lot of extra care and a lot of extra resources to enable them to do that. And I thought it was unfair that they would have to reach out for, for charitable money to do that. People just have those things. But I thought, I'm going to raise some money for them and I'm going to do something that people are not going to expect me to do. So I'm going to climb a mountain. And then <laughs> I sort of looked at it and went, are you an idiot? What are you doing? <laughs> nice. I, I had no idea, man. This is great. Good, man. That's you, killer. You got to, and and then I thought, if that little boy can wake up every morning, smile and play, even though he knows that his life may be ended very, very shortly. Which the good news is, is he's, he's you know he's he's passed it. He's rang that bell, and oh. uh, he's doing really, really well now. Spoiler uh, alert: He's alive and well. Good. He is. Uh, and he, you know, but that that kid's attitude was my motivator. I thought if that little boy can 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 survive every day and can and, and wake up every day and want to go and do things that other kids do at his age, then surely that means I can do anything. I'm you know in more control. I don't fortunately you know that I don't have the same problems. Um, so that was my mental motivator. I thought I want to raise lots of money for for this kid and for for their charity. Um, so that was what I had in my head to start with, and then that's super powerful. That I work with that's people that I work with, and they were like, "If you want to do it, we'll do it with you. We'll help you raise money." Uh, and then I began my training with a guy who's sixty three years old, but has the fitness levels of probably a 20 year old. He's been climbing mountains since he was six. Uh, and he's a really inspiring character. His name's Colin, a really great guy. Uh, I had a long conversation with him and he said, if you could do that, I'll help you. I'll help you achieve that goal. And I said, okay. So every single weekend from then on up until the time that we actually did the mountain, uh, I went what he called pounding hills, which was basically Finding an, an incline on uh, in the in the, the lovely area called Canic Chase, which is a beautiful natural nature reserve, uh, and all we did all weekend was go up and down, up and down, up and down, up and down, to the point where I had no physical energy left. I would collapse at the top of the hill and have to eat a banana just to give me that little sugar rush to get me back on my feet again. And I love I that just, shit. That's warrior training right there on the battlefield. Just absolutely went right to the source and just that's great absolutely and 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 use those hills to train and to get my endurance up because 
what was ahead of me, I could have, I could have never anticipated uh, the level of, you know, when you have no energy, so you have to dig within yourself to get that last ounce of energy out. Yeah. That's exactly what I had to do up this mountain. But every single time that I was struggling on that mountain, and it almost felt like Mount Doom in Lord of the Rings with Frodo and, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. and Samwise, it was like just trying to, having that, that motivation. But every single time I had that kid's face in my head, thinking, what would, what would he be doing right now if he was here? He, he, he would just be pushing through. And he has more physical issues than I have. You know, more, more mountains, you know, metaphorical mountains to climb than I've got right in front of me here. So yeah. I did that. And, you know, we did well. And it took, it took hours to do. And I remember getting to the top of the mountain and thinking, yes, I've done it. I've done it. It's brilliant. And then my friend whispered to me, he said, you've got summit fever. I said, what's that? And he said, people get it when they climb a mountain. You get to the top and you think that's it. It's done. It's done. Dusted. Over. But then you've got to climb down it again. <laughs> that could be just as difficult, right? It, it more so. More, more so. Because yeah. mentally, your brain's gone. You're at home. You've got, you've got you've your feet accomplished. up. Yeah. You've done your job. Whereas, no, no, no. You're, actually, you're exactly halfway there at that point. And I found the journey coming back down, not just physically exhausting, but mentally exhausting. I'm sure. I was mentally spent by the time I got to the other end and everybody was waiting for me. Well, that's a very but, powerful story, man. I mean, powerful message. Lots of things can be taken from that. One that I feed on myself a lot is I train a lot of kids and their stories and their energy and their enthusiasm, just how kids are like the kid you were fighting for keeping that his passion and his energy in your mind. Um, that literally motivated you to climb the mountain. That's real. And if we can all keep our childish energy about us in a way that can be a huge motivator. And, um, I think a lot of people need to listen to their kids more and draw on them for inspiration more for anything, not even just fitness goals. So that's number one. But, um, how about like number two, man, like you said, when you climb the mountain and you mentally checked out, I've done it. I'm here. Like, boom. That is how, how applicable is that to just our everyday life when we think we've achieved the goal, but in reality, man, we're so far away from the end point. You know, yeah. you got you to keep pushing and digging deep down and teaching yourself that lesson and pushing yourself to the point where you think you couldn't be pushed anymore, but you finish it anyway. That is, um, think about how many people never get to that point and find out how much, think about how much you learned about yourself in those times right absolutely it was it was dark i was yeah i'll be honest with you on the way down there were certain points where i was hallucinating i was that exhausted i'm sure man uh, my mind would go on little journeys all over the place and then suddenly be drawn back because my feet were sore my legs were aching you know my head was bowed the only thing that was keeping me up at one point was that you know my, my walking sticks the you know my, my mountain sort of poles or whatever you want to call them yeah uh, but then it was like you kind of woke up thinking right i know exactly where i am now but then your mind would drift off again it's it's a it's a real it, it's a real test of mental agility not just physical agility but mental agility so i know that when i make the decision and set the date for the next one exactly 
what I have to prepare, prepare for, not just physically. It's important, you know, to get out on the hills at the weekends or even during the week and, and do that physical exercise, but to get yourself, your mental agility just as prepared as your physical agility because if you don't, chances are your head will be shot halfway up and you won't, you won't achieve what you want to achieve. It's true, man. So, Ment- I like I love that term, mental agility. I don't think I've ever heard that before. Yeah, it's, it's important. So, you, you need that. You do, you do. Health. And the interesting thing that happened after that was that I let everything go again. Um, my health, my mental health certainly took took a huge dip after I did that mountain. And, it, you know, to the point where, you know, I had a break and then the breakdown and my mind wasn't in the right place and my body certainly hasn't been in the right place. Uh, it's almost like once the adrenaline's gone, what do you do once the adrenaline, what, what do you do once that's disappeared? What do you do? Do you, you know, the easy thing is to curl up in a ball and give up, right. which I did. Sure. I'll admit it. Um, but, but what I should have done really was continued training continued doing more mountains challenging myself pushing myself but i wasn't ready i thought i was ready but i wasn't ready but now i'll start up i have you know through what we've been doing what we've been talking about and just you know <clears throat> having our connection i feel now that i'm i'm on the cusp of something again in terms of getting myself physically and mentally ready for for another mountain I'm really looking forward to this one. I mean, the natural beauty of the area is just astounding anyway, but uh, it's just having that challenge and, and finding something to do it for, not just for myself, because if I do it just for myself, then I won't do it. But if I feel, I know this is mad, I think this is why a lot of people do stuff for charity, um, because not only is it great for the charity, you know, in terms of funding, but it also it's a great motivating motivating factor for the per, the people taking part. It's like you can't back out of it once you once you set your your uh, your goal and once you set once you've told people that you're doing it and and then people give you money to do it, then you're 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 obligated to to, to continue and you're obligated to to, to fulfil that challenge. Um, and. Yes, Ben Nevis is a lot taller than than Snowden, but it, it's another one that I think I can do. And then there's no reason from there on that I can't do bigger and, and bigger and better challenges. I think for your own mental health, it's important to set yourself challenges in your life. Reasonable goals, you know, achievable. You know, I'm not going to say, yeah, this time next year I'm going to be a rock star because I know that there aren't things in place for me to be able to do that. But if I say that climb a fucking mountain, though, climb a mountain and uh, give it eighteen months, two years, get physically and mentally prepared for it. There's absolutely no reason why I can't do that. And if you're listening and and feel that you that you want to have a go at something like this, then just do it. Just yeah. get on with it. Stop waiting for other people to tell you to do it. Nobody's going to do it for you. Absolutely. But don't do it before you're ready. If you, you think maybe yeah. you did it before you were ready and that was the problem that dipped you down at the, uh, afterwards? Maybe. I think um, 
I, I, I struggled afterwards because it was like, that's done now, you know, I've shelved that, that I, you know, I've, I've had months and months and months of fundraising, months and months of training, getting myself ready for it, getting, you know, getting the, the team together, uh, planning the logistics of, you know, where we're all going to move, where we're staying, you know, are we, you know, you're looking forward, it's almost like a child waiting for Christmas. And then when the day after Christmas comes, it's like, <sighs> right. Well, there's that mountain metaphor in reality right there, right? You yeah. climbed, you, you climbed half the, you did half the journey and then you checked out, man. It was about the journey down that was going to really change you. You were so Absolutely. focused on the journey up, you know, and what you did after that. Take what you did as an accomplishment and springboard yourself. You don't have, have to follow it up with a bigger mountain every year. You could just you can use that as motivation just in the gym throughout your life and your job and your endeavors because you're a, quite accomplished in your career. It seems. I, you know. I um, but I feel personally that I, I probably need to give myself something to do in terms of getting physically prepared for something. I mean, health and fitness is a, is a lifelong commitment. Yeah, man. But for people like me who sort of dip their toe in the water. From time to time, uh, it's 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 a struggle to, to maintain that. So, for me personally, I mean, it doesn't work for everybody. But if I feel like I that I need to do something, I'll set myself a goal and then go for it. Um, but I can't. I don't know what it is. I don't know what stops me from doing it. I find it very difficult to maintain that, uh, and and often or not. I'll set my mind on something, I'll do it, I'll achieve what I've set out to achieve. And then comes the dip and the darkness afterwards. Well, now we have to uh, prepare for that, right? So you have to have like a, an exit strategy of your goal, basically. Yeah, right? so, which I've so, never done before. That's an interesting point. So this is what, you know, you know I'm going to help you with training on the, for this next mountain and stuff. But we're, we're going to have to talk about what we're going to do after the mountain. Yeah, and that's, that's going to be more important than the preparation for the mountain. You know, you often find that people. Yeah, that I don't have the answer right now, by the way. So no, no, no. I didn't suspect that you would. Yeah, because <laughs> a lot of people tackle these things in a very different way. It's very easy to to to, to say, "Yep, yeah, we're going to prepare for that." Uh, but but how do you do that? You know, it has to be tailored to individuals. You can't. It's not a one size fits all solution uh, to these issues. And I think that with, with people like myself, we have to constantly have something to do. Our brains need to be creative constantly. I have to find something like every day, you know, I'm in, I'm in my studio doing something, creating something, coming up with some ideas, you know, throwing a few ideas in the ring with other people and just putting the feelers out. I have to be constantly having something to do. I'm not the type of guy who could sit there and watch TV all day. Cause Likewise, man. We bond over that. Absolutely. Because it right. is what it is. It's an idiot box. And, yeah. It is. And, uh, you know, when you have that creative desire in your mind, it's really hard to shut that off. You know? Absolutely. You just want to keep fueling the fire. But you're, you're putting things into the world. You know, you're creating things for the better that are going out into the world. So you have good energy coming back to you. Good motivation Absolutely. and good things on your side to pro propel you forward through not even your fitness journey, just the next step uh, in your, in your life. And that's everybody. That's not just you, man. That's everybody that does that. 
and uh, I think you're doing great. I think you've come a long way. Uh, then we're going to have to maybe talk about specifics into your training a little bit, which we don't have to get into right now, but I, I, I think this is very achievable for you and it's going to be huge. And, oh, I think so. And uh, you're also going back to school, right? Yes. Time. Yeah. I go back to school. Actually, I'm going this week. Um, about that? I decided it was something that I needed to do. I mean, I've been, I've been broadcasting and interviewing artists now for the last 10 years. And like I said before, earlier on in, in, in today's podcast, yeah. uh, I've been DJing for 35 years, you know, since I was a, a young teenager, uh, a friend of mine and myself went out and DJ parties and went, you know, like weddings and the usual sort of thing. Um, How did that start for you? Like well, growing it, up as a teenager uh, with heavy metal in your soul and just wanted to get it out there? Well, not not just heavy metal uh, per se. Um, for me, I mean, there is actual video footage of me as even younger at, at parties. I had a fascination with DJing since I was, a, you know, sort of five and six years old. At weddings, I would always be seen stood next to the DJ all night asking him a hundred questions and bugging the crap out of him. Really? Uh, That's awesome. And wanting to have a go on the microphone. Did you grow up with music in your household? Your parents expose you to records or anything like that? Yeah. I mean, we had, we had, we were, it's quite unusual household really in terms of it was four boys and we all loved music. My eldest brother was a, a singer and sang opera and, my, my father was really into rock and roll, you know, so the fifties, he was a teenager and, you know, really embraced that. The household absolutely loved the Beatles. I mean, the Beatles were always on in our house at some point. And my brother pl- played piano. So, uh, you know, we had a lot of parties when we were kids. That's so great. we would, uh, we'd sit around the piano and sing Beatles songs and, and other things. And, you know, everyone would do their what they call their party piece, as he were, and that's so. so there, cool. there was all, there was there was always music in the house, and I always had a fascination for records and uh, um, and music and, and an emotional attachment to music. I always associated music in my in my head. There was always everything's got a sound, everything had a soundtrack. So I always associate memories with music. So whatever was out in the charts at the time, I, I guess for when I was a really young, young, young lad. Um, but when I started getting a bit older, I would put compilations and cassettes together for friends. And, and you know, for me and my oldest friend, we would listen to anything from Chuck Berry to, to old school hip hop, yeah. uh, to, to rock and roll, to, you know, we had a huge fascination for Elvis as, as a young, young lad. Of course. Um, um, so music and songs and, and artists have always featured very, very strongly in my life from, from when I was very, very young. But when I got to the age of a sort of 13 or 14, a friend of mine just bought himself a mobile disco um, setup. I had absolutely no confidence on the microphone at all and said, uh, what you were like- talking about with this, with this mobile DJ setup? Yeah, yeah, exactly. So he asked me to go along with him and, and sort of help him out because he had no confidence in that. And I was always been a bit of a show off. Let's just say that. Nah. 
in in a, in a nice way. I've never, oh, I know, I know. <laughs> and um, I never really had a problem with it. I could talk in front of three, four hundred people quite easy. No shit. It, it's never really phased me, even from when I was a kid. You know, I loved the attention, and I loved, I loved having the control of the room. And as a DJ, you learn very, very quickly that the room, the mood of the room, you learn to read it. And you learn that, you know, when you're playing a record and everybody's really dancing to it, you know in your head the next three songs that are coming up. Sure. And sometimes halfway through that song, you might have to change the other two or maybe all three of them at once. So your brain's doing this all day long. Um, And I learned that very, very quickly as a kid. And then I went out on my own and did it. And I really enjoyed it. You know, the money was good and... I enjoyed myself and, you know, throughout my sort of late teens and early 20s, I was DJing at different clubs and uh, and enjoying that, different types of music. And then that kind of, that's kind of been sort of like the, 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 the pattern from there on, really. And then 10 years ago, um, somebody said, you know, you should start a website, all these bands that you're discovering on, on, um, on social media, because at that point, I had no idea about social media. And then I suddenly, it was like a, a light bulb moment. And I, and I went, wow, look at all these amazing bands. Why aren't other people listening to these bands? Because this song is incredible. Mm-hmm. So I started up globalonslaught.com, which is now gone. I, I, I wrapped that up because it was just getting too much for me to run on my own. But at the time, it was almost like a like a butterfly collection of great sounds and it could be anything. It could be anything from, from dark Gothic sounds to, to really hard, heavy music. And that kind of came back to me again. I mean, I always enjoyed heavy music, but then I really started to get the love for it again that, that, that I'd lost a little bit. Yeah. Really uh, a fire a little bit. I, I go through those stages myself with the heaviness. And, absolutely. Um, and then, like I said, before that, I, I had very little or no experience of interviewing artists at all. Uh, um, so then I decided then that I wanted to give it another try because 20, I worked it out the other day. It was something like 23, 22 years ago. I interviewed Roy Ayers, a uh, big soul and funk legend. Mm-hmm. And that was my first and only experience of interviewing. And it didn't go particularly well. You know, I was nervous Maybe yeah. drank a couple of too many beers before us, you know, to calm the nerves beforehand. I did it. <laughs> you know, it's, that's, I think that's my, we've all done it. Yeah, um, and you learn from that experience. Yeah. So I then joined a radio station um, who asked me to come broadcast for them after they'd listened to a couple of my podcasts, which I, I embraced, I really enjoyed. And then um, I got invited to, to, to start interviewing bands at Download Festival. Uh, and I just, that is a baptism of fire in itself. It's a huge, huge festival in the UK. Formerly known so as bad one day. Well, you will. And I will. It was, you know, formerly Monsters of Rock, a very important festival. Um, and I'd be interviewing something like 20 bands a day over three days. Uh, uh, and I learned with a friend of mine. A friend of mine showed me exactly what I needed to do and how I needed to do it. 
quick fire sort of getting to know you interviews with bands that were lesser known more in-depth interviews and getting your background on more established bands uh, and then from then on it's it's kind of like it's built from there really and i've I don't know even know how many bands that I've interviewed now over the last decade. It's been, you know, hundreds and hundreds of different bands, different backgrounds and different levels of success. And I really enjoy it. I enjoy that human connection. Um, more valuable than basically anything. Absolutely. And how cool is that, that you turned a, you know, childhood passion of rock and roll and music and records into a, uh, you know, kind of self-sustaining career and you've got to, meet all these bands, interview all these bands and kind of, uh, do your thing, man. That's uh that's a testament to if you love something, you can make a career out of it. If you just do it. Very lucky. Yeah. Very, I feel, I feel blessed and feel very, very lucky so far. Man, to have done what do. I've done. That's, that's great to keep that in mind. Don't lose that perspective. You know, a lot of people don't, you know, and now I've, I've decided to, to, to formalize it in, uh, and going back to school and, and learning how to put it in an academic way in an academic setting and doing a master's degree it's never too late folks no exactly i mean some people i've heard have gone i'm too old for that Uh, i really don't agree i think you're never too old to learn you're never too old to 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 learn from each other and 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 to learn by other people's mistakes and other people's successes i think i think that's a really poor attitude if you think that yeah don't take that person's advice whoever whoever says i'm too old for that don't listen to them because that's never true if soon as you say that that becomes true yeah, exactly. And I think a lot of people miss out. And they miss out because they set themselves an unreasonable limit. There's no ceiling to life. Yeah. It's it's however it's however fruitful and however successful you want it to be. And I think that if you start putting ceilings and caps on things, then then you, you will never achieve what you want to achieve. You just have to have a blind faith in your own ability and say, you know what? I probably can't do that right now. I can't climb a mountain right now. I'd be knackered. But who's to say, who's going to tell me that I can't do something? Nobody. Nobody. Or if they do, don't listen to them. That's that's the trouble. People listen to those people too much. Hmm. Um, That's really, that's really great. That's really cool, man. Um, Did you think, uh, do you think your childhood coming up and maybe going back to what I said earlier about kind of music being a little bit more ingrained into the uh, British culture and, you know, being exposed to the Beatles, having parties, singing like we didn't do. I didn't do any of that shit. And I don't know any of my friends that had, uh, you know, parties and, you know, their family sang and like, it was so musically oriented. Like the majority of the people that I'm, you know, friends with familiar with, we didn't do anything like that. Like it was like, we were weird as fuck because we like wanted to buy <laughs> old records and like, we love that shit. And um, do you think that was just something more common for you guys than what would necessarily be taking place over here or anywhere else? I think it differs from household to household. I don't think that it has any, I don't think it, it, it sort of, it's any different here than it is anywhere else. I just you think just we're that, blessed with that kind of that kind of growing that kind of environment growing up. Yeah, you're a subject of your own environment, aren't you? So absolutely, yeah. You know, you are who you are because of where you come from. Yeah, and where you're going. So for me, music was such a huge factor of my life as a child growing up that 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 it was almost inevitable that music would define me going forward. 
Did you have a moment in your career where you were like, yes, like this is uh, I, I did this, like interview a band that you'd or meet somebody you never thought you'd meet. Or do you, do you have that one moment where you were like, yeah, this is fucking cool. Uh, I, yeah. I, I, yeah. What is that? <laughs> it was meeting Steve Harris for the first time. There you go. Where was that? Tell us. Uh, well, I met him, met him one. Iron uh, Maiden for folks that don't know. I, I met Steve Harris at, at a gig. Uh, you know, just shook his hand and said hello and all that. But I actually got to speak to him uh, back at Download 2016 where I was working with a band called The Raven Age who were helping out with their PR and, and, and stuff. And George Harris, the guitarist, is Steve's son and said, I know how much of a Maiden fan you are. Would you like to come to the party that we're having after the gig, after their headlining set? Of course, I almost bit his hand off when he offered me that. Of course. Uh, of course I would. And then he took me backstage to go and meet his dad. No way. And we talked about health, fitness, and eating for did 25 really? minutes. Yeah, we did not talk about music once. What did what did the, the great Steve Harris have to say about health, wellness, and eating? Steve is a machine. He uh, is. It has to be healthy to keep up what he's doing. So Absolutely. He's very much into sort of um, herbal remedies and living a, not not a saintly life but living a, a very physically healthy life as close as you can be to a saint when you're a bass player of the best heavy metal band of all time one of the best heavy metal bands of all absolutely time. so he was fascinated at that point i'd lost a lot of weight and we we talked about that and he wanted he was very interested to know how i did that and how i went about it uh, and we just we talked about that for about 20 25 minutes and it was just two guys stood in the rain talking about health and fitness it was no more than that but then you know that. i walked away afterwards thinking shit i've just had a conversation about slimming with steve harris there you go. i wish i'd have put my recorder with me <laughs> yeah That's amazing so that was a real real opening and and the other guy that the other sort of interview that i did my favorite interview so far over these last few years has been devin townsend i found him to be uh, a fascinating, almost guru-type conversation. That was, it was a great like, interview. Yeah. It was a spiritual awakening. It really, really was. I'll, I'll link that when I when I publish this podcast in the description, so people can because it is probably your best interview that I've seen. I really enjoyed it. I mean, nice I have interviewed too. Yeah, I was bag of nerves during ICs interview. <laughs> 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 in my head. In my head, I, I remember when I got the interview, I didn't quite believe that I'd, I'd managed to get to, to, to hook this up. And it was still not 100% locked in at that point. And I remember on the day itself, it was like, yeah, you're down for doing this, you're down for doing this. And then his tour manager came up and spoke to me and said, Adam, you've got 5.30 with ice. And I went, yep, yeah, no problem. Yeah, and, and I just went shit. I'm talking to Ice T at five thirty. What am I doing? What yeah, are you doing, you idiot? I would be so scared, probably. Yeah, I was. I was. I was genuinely, genuinely frightened. And I think he's the coolest going, dude. He is. He's a nice man. He's a lovely, lovely guy. Yeah. And I think it, that was a valuable lesson because I feel that if you go in into an interview completely relaxed and like, yeah, you've got it in the bag already. It's, it's a done deal often those interviews don't come out as well as the ones that, you know, you're mentally preparing yourself for beforehand, like the ice tea interview. Right. 
like speaking to Maria Brink from In This Moment was another great one as well that I really enjoyed. She seems cool. She's a, a tremendous human being. Free She's spirit, really, yeah. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And um, we talked about spirituality and and talked about, you know, all, all manner of things. But, you know, the ICT interview in particular was uh, a moment in my, call it a career, whatever you want to call it, yeah. that I was genuinely frightened. That's amazing. Genuinely scared. I would be too, just because I just basically the whole time would probably just be thinking, I really hope Ice-T doesn't think I'm lame. Yeah, that's exactly what I did. That's basically the only thing that could possibly be going through my mind, talking to Ice-T. That's so, it. You handled like, it very well, sir. I, I tried. I tried my best. You know, it was like, uh, I remember standing there and I remember... It was it was held in a little corner of of a, of a press area, which was sort of barriered off from the public, uh, well from from the other press, in a little private area. And I remember following this guy around, saying, "Right, he's ready for you now." Walking around the corner, and then just seeing him on the sofa, sat there waiting for me. And I went, "Shit, that's iced tea." Yeah, yeah, it's one <laughs> of those things. I see. <laughs> Have you seen Body Count? His band. Yeah. Yeah, I have, yeah. Brilliant. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Really great, aggressive, poignant, lyric, lyrically poignant, on point kind of band, you know? Yeah, like rap metal, but not in a corny way at all. Like, it's totally organic. Absolutely kind of, not. Yeah. It's completely legitimate. It's completely real, and I will say that about Ice-T and his music. Yeah. He's hard. He's he that, loves Cannibal Corpse, did you know that? Yeah, yeah, he does. It's his favorite metal band is Cannibal Corpse. I thought it might have been Slayer. They cover a Slayer song. They cover Raining Blood. But mm. uh, he, wears, he wears Cannibal Corpse t-shirts because he loves all the fucked up artwork and the uh, heavy metalness. is pretty funny. I think he enjoys the aggression of it and I think he enjoys the, the, the aggressive, positive output of metal music. Yeah, probably. I think that's his, his connection. I mean, we did, we did talk about, you know, old school hip-hop, like world-class wrecking crew and Captain Rock and, 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 and artists like that, going back to the old days of hip-hop. Yeah. And you know, the, the electro albums. I don't know whether you had those stateside, but we were introduced in this country to, to sort of that hip-hop culture through breakdancing and uh, that era during the early 80s. And a friend of mine and myself used to buy the, the, the electro albums and listen to, to, to artists that kids of our age at that point, I was what, seven, maybe eight. That would not, the kids weren't listening to that. You know, it was like a lot more mature music, yeah. you know, quite mature subject matters. And we were listening to that. So a lot of that kind of, sort of shaped my tastes. I did the same thing, probably not with electro, but, um, hip hop and rap. And like, it was always, uh, one of the first records I ever got was the 36 chambers by Wu-Tang Clan. When I think oh, right. I was like 10 years old. Yeah. So I, uh, yeah. It's, it definitely is. was a, uh, part of my formative years for sure. An awakening as it were. Oh yeah. It's for the, for the children. Absolutely. <laughs> That's what but, but yeah, that, that for me was one of the, the most in, incredible moments was meeting him and being challenged I felt that that interview challenged me quite a lot in terms of you've got to be prepared. You know, when you're interviewing people like that, you have to have your questions ready. You have to have the right attitude going in there. So Ice-T kind of served as a Kung Fu master for you, like a, as a <coughs> challenge to get to the next step. Maybe Absolutely. He's a character in your, in your being for now, which is cool. Absolutely. It taught me a lesson, you know, never be off guard, never, right. never let your guard down. 
uh, and never relax when you do it. old gangster rap mantra right there. Absolutely. Absolutely. And he is as real as it gets. He is what he says he is. You know, he is, is what they call an OG. <laughs> I saw, he is the original gangster. We saw him open at, um, they did the one-off date OzFest last year at the Forum in Hollywood on New Year's Eve. And it was Ozzy, Rob Zombie, Marilyn Manson, uh, the dude, Jonathan Davis from Corn. It wasn't Corn. It was just Jonathan Davis. And mm-hmm. uh, Body Count opened the, the main stage on that show. And wow. uh, yeah. And w- so we flew out to LA just for that show, uh, just you know, for fun and on a whim. Cost way too much money, but we did it anyway. It was so worth it. But Body Count, I mean he came out literally on fire. I was with my girlfriend. She had no idea that like body count was iced tea, you know, <laughs> and like she just thought it was some metal band, you know, and I didn't tell her before cause I didn't, you know, I wanted to surprise her and he came out in like a full convict, like uh, orange suit with like chains on and shit. And they're all like heavy metal and you know, he's yelling and she's like, Holy shit, that's iced tea. They just bl- blew us away. It was like a very fun memory we have of a, uh, body count and ice tea playing in la is a is a concert that i hold that was my favorite performance of the night i thought it blew away uh, yeah. ozzy osbourne so ice tea blew away ozzy osbourne in my experience seeing him live so he holds a special place in my heart oh well of Quick course story. that was that was aside but you know <laughs> well of course ozzy osbourne comes from from here in, in birmingham as, as well as his his his, his former bandmates of uh, of black sabbath which we recently celebrated 50 years of yeah, we've heard of them before. We've, we've talked about Black Sabbath before a couple yeah. times. Yeah. Maybe. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, you're, you're, uh, you're in Birmingham, which is the birthplace of heavy metal because it's the birthplace of the best heavy metal band of all time, Sabbath. Absolutely. And we're very, very proud of the fact. I mean, recently we, uh, we celebrated 50 years of, of Black Sabbath with an exhibition here in, in Birmingham. And I just want to make the point that when that's concluded, which it has now, it really should continue in terms of celebrating the legacy of that band. Because, like I said to you before, the, you know Liverpool have embraced the Beatles for the last forty, fifty years, uh, and celebrated them, you know, through through having events and having museums and exhibitions, uh, and you know it's in their culture completely. Whereas Black Sabbath. I don't think people in Birmingham have quite appreciated the level of that band and their legacy in terms of what they've achieved and what they've inspired through their music. So I think Birmingham needs to be a little bit more mindful of that. And I think that they need to embrace it. And hopefully the home of metal who arranged and organized everything, fantastic group of people uh, continue that work. And hopefully at some point we'll have a permanent home for that exhibition and, and, and build on it with more artifacts and more, more, you know, more bits and pieces, because I think that, you know, that story needs to continue to be told. We're going to push for that for sure. I wanted to come out just to, just to see that just cause I'm such a huge fan and I just love hanging out in the UK whenever I can. But uh, unfortunately that didn't happen, but that definitely needs to continue. And if they could bring it to the States and, or just keep it over there. So, you know, it's not a limited time frame. That would be Absolutely. wonderful. And I think the, not even just Birmingham, the whole world needs to know more about Black Sabbath and their importance and their legacy and how they change the face of music and just everything, you know. And, Absolutely. Uh, do a little exercise in your head. This is a fun thing to do. Let's go. Is remove Black Sabbath 
from history. I don't want to. You're freaking me out. And then, he, and then imagine <laughs> what the world of rock and metal would look like without him. Whether would it exist? Is I the big question. Visualize an empire just crumble by taking away Black Sabbath. It's like Jenga. You know, you take away the bottom piece and the whole thing falls down. That's how I feel about. Absolutely. Uh, what would metal sound like now? I, I, yeah, I, it might not. It wouldn't exist. That, that, that's just a mind-blowing concept in itself is, there. Yeah. You remove bands like Sabbath, like the Beatles, erase them from history completely. Like they never existed. I mean, there was a film recently about that with the Beatles, but, but imagine that in terms of rock and metal. If you remove Sabbath from that equation, how, what would the face of metal look like these days? I think it wouldn't be anywhere near as developed or as interesting as it is now than it, if you did that. No, not even close. And um, do you think, uh, this is just just a thought I had, that, um, you know, you said that the Beatles are still, like, probably wildly, probably over-celebrated at this point still, you know. Um, not, not to put down the Beatles at all. They're hugely important and awesome. But um, do you think that Black Sabbath is not as appreciated as they should be still because there's a stigma around heavy metal that it's, you know, kind of evil, kind of outcasting, kind of just like not acceptable still. It's still the music of the disenfranchised. It's still, still the is, And that's why it still is. Yeah. It's the working, it's the working class person's music. I and came from always fact, they, are, they were factory boys, right? Absolutely. You know, they, they worked their shitty that. jobs. They worked. You call her Birmingham background. Absolutely. They, they had hard upbringings. They had, you know, they had it tough. And I think that helped them forge the music that they did forge. They, they uh, put that soul into the tone of, you know, the tone of their work. You know, absolutely. They, they created the heavy metal tone. It's, it's well documented. Tony Iommi worked in a factory, you know, lost the tips of his fingers on a machine. Right. Uh, but continued to play, he adapted himself, um, took the influence from that in heavy industrial dirt and grime and made it dark. And he was interested in, you know, the, the dark arts and, and just, you know, you can feel it through them, those first few albums. You know, it's just an amazing connection between art and, and, and music. It's just, you know, there's no mistaking where it came from when it's you hear the truth. it. It just did the, it, the first, the first six Black Sabbath albums are the truth. <laughs> That's absolutely. Uh, that is as best of a compliment as you can pay any, any music, I think. Absolutely. And they did it so well. And uh, that music will continue on for, for decades to come. It inspired, it is inspired a whole genre, especially the subculture of um, doom metal, quote unquote doom. That hasn't been, that wouldn't be a thing if it wasn't for Sabbath. Um, Absolutely not. You know, there, how many Sabbath ripoff bands are there? How many Sabbath riffs are just rewritten and reworked? I mean, like they basically wrote every heavy metal riff that needs to be written and everybody else just spins off it. Absolutely. And I, even back, you know, even back in their day when they, you know, when they were younger, they were commenting on things like things that were going on in the world that were troubling them that, you know, they were talking about, I mean, war pigs, for example, is a, is the prime example of, of an anti-war um, sort of peace movement. Yeah, that whole record. That, that whole record is Fair all enough. about, yeah. you know, is about that. Um, so they were talking from their heart 
even back then. So it's not that's not unless you know protest songs uh, have, have taken many guises in different artists over the years. Mm-hmm. You know Bob Dylan and people like himself, um, Joan Baez, and then you, you know you've got Sabbath who continued that that feel that sort of like I said before that disenfranchised with the world sort of look outlook on life. They they really really embraced that and put it into a into a creative melting pot and created this wonderful music which we call metal. You know, that's it really the base of it and uh, with a lot of good uh, morals and positivity uh, intertwined in there. If you actually listen to the lyrics, that you know, a lot of people think Black Sabbath. They immediately think the devil, uh, evil, heavy metal. Oh, that's where it all started. Cocaine, blah blah blah, uh, which is may or may not be true, but. I always reference um, Lord of This World on Master Reality, which is probably my favorite Black Sabbath song in which uh, the lyric is, your world was made for you by someone above, but you choose evil ways instead of love. And people, you know, if you gave somebody that lyric, you would think that would be coming from the Beatles or something like that. But that's Black Sabbath and that's an early record. And that's the foundation of heavy metal right there. Absolutely. And so we there's a lot of positivity and inspiration and even just uh yearning for a higher being if you don't believe in God or whatever, there's uh there there there's inspiration and there's faith out there in heavy metal for sure. And I'm very proud to come from the same city. I As think you it's should a... be, man. I'm proud to know you because you're from <laughs> the same city. <laughs> oh, this should be an advert for the Birmingham Tourist Board. Come yeah, to we're going to submit this to them. This is a, this is just a ploy just to keep that keep that going. Absolutely, and keep that that fire burning of creativity. Honestly, yeah, more people need to know about the importance of Sabbath. That's why I take it upon myself to just uh, celebrate Sabbath Sunday on my social media every Sunday. I li- it's like going to church. I listen to Black Sabbath basically all day long. Yep. It's about to promote it. You know, I got people on board with it. We do the hashtag Sabbath Sunday. I can't take credit for the name or, you know, even the celebration, but people do it. And I'm just, you know, trying to spread the word and, you know. Why not? There are worse things to do in life than that, my friend. Oh, yeah, man. Yeah. <laughs> black coffee, black Sabbath. What do you more? That's how you wake up. That's how, that's how I get my day started. Meditation, coffee, black Sabbath. That was me prepping for this podcast was just that. <laughs> me too funnily enough there you go <laughs> and uh yeah they're just brilliant you got to meet geezer butler right we have we didn't talk about that we gotta talk about very that. very briefly still though yeah. you you just <laughs> met you you might as well have just met jesus christ you know, possibly might just yeah. Happen. yeah a very quiet unassuming gentleman i must say but very nice very you know like i said quiet didn't really say an awful lot but it really didn't need to it was no. just a, a handshake and a photograph and you know it was a, a little tick in my mental box of you know people i'd really like to meet that i hadn't met yet so it was like yeah really really pleased about that and what an unsung hero of just the band and the genre in general because he wrote all the lyrics and he you know plays bass and you know i feel like everybody talks about ozzy and iomi but you know you got to give a ton of credit to geezer man like absolutely he's, he's, he's He's the godfather of heavy metal. Yeah, if 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 Ice T is the OG, he's the, he's the godfather for sure. Oh, absolutely, Geezer. and but you know, a great player as well. You watch the guy's technique and how he, you know, how he plays the bass is just a, a, a real treat for the eyes as well as the ears. You it know, really is. Play live. So play, watching that uh, California Jam from 
70, I'm not going to say the date because I can't remember when that was, but you can edit that. I want to say 474. I could be <coughs> wrong though. I think you might be right. I think it's 74. I've I think it's my research. I smoked a California lot of in my early day and listened to Sabbath quite a bit. So I've weirdly retained certain amounts of information based on it. <laughs> Sometime in the 70s. Yeah, way back when. Way back, <laughs> way back when. Let's, yeah. put it, let's put it in that perspective. Yeah. You know, watching, watching the band themselves play, you know, they were a cut above the rest at that point. There was something different. They weren't following trends. They were setting their own. I never got to see him, man. I saw them never twice. I think I saw them. I saw them in Manchester, and I saw them at Download Festival. What was the first time you saw them? Like, uh, I think that would have been Manchester, probably about something about ten years ago. Okay, so you, really to... so you saw them pretty late in the game. I did. Yeah, yeah, wow. yeah. I mean, oh, I yeah. Thank you. Would have, you would have went to them as a as a as a young lad. No, no, no. I mean, you got to remember that, you know, when I was growing up, we didn't have a lot of money, so I didn't really get to see a lot of concerts until I was a bit older. Me too. There is that. And Sabbath were like on and off, like an on and off switch for for for, for years. That they come and do short runs of tours, you know, and then they just stop. You know, they played when they wanted to play. They didn't play because they felt the pressure to play. You got to remember this band. Were, were huge from you know throughout their entire career uh, and important and they just did what they wanted to do when they wanted to do it you know so by the time I got to see them they were quite late in the late in the in the game it was even post Bill Ward so you know they didn't even have Bill playing when I saw them but it was an incredible experience nevertheless I bet, man. going to see them particularly at Download Festival. That was just like when Ozzy came on the stage and did his "Come on, you fuckers!" You know, shade, yeah, yeah. getting the audience going in that lovely, thick, rich Birmingham accent, which is never so fired up, man. That's so great. I feel like I'm there, like I'm visualizing <laughs> that. That's goosebumps, <laughs> literally. And hearing Warpigs live for the first time was just a hell of an experience for me. I mean, it's my that and the Wizard are my two favorite uh, Black Sabbath tracks. Fuck yeah. Uh, that's one of my final questions is, is um, what's your favorite Black Sabbath album and song? But we're going to get to that later. You can think about that. Um, <laughs> uh, what was the first time you ever heard Black Sabbath? Do you remember? Um, uh, first time I heard Black Sabbath. Or the, maybe the first time that you remember hearing Black Sabbath? Uh, probably would have been paranoid. I would say. I would think that would be mine too. If I'm if I'm thinking honestly about it, I probably I think I heard paranoid on like a in a movie or in a game or something like that. You know, it's a commonly used soundtrack song, yeah. and I yeah. always just kind of thought it was awesome and different. And I was like, okay, I need to look into this more. And then you know, yeah, I um I think probably uh most likely would have been. Uh, paranoid but i remember listening to to the album black sabbath and i remember sabbath bloody sabbath because my brother had a copy of it on vinyl i remember listening to it and just being absolutely freaked out by it right what a, what a weird record that one is it's heavy 
the, the, the opening riff of Sabbath, Bloody Sabbath is just is as heavy as anything. Absolutely. Yeah, Absolutely. That's, that whole record and the that that era particularly I'm fascinated with, at least right now. Um, you know, a lot of people talk about the first three, like the self-titled Master of Reality and Paranoid, which are obviously amazing. More doomy, yeah. more bluesy. The more progressive era of uh, volume four, Sabbath, Buddy Sabbath, and Sabotage, to me, are fascinating records. They are. They are. But I think my first notably favorite Sabbath album would have to be their debut solo album, their studio album, sorry. Yeah, you, can, you can't, <laughs> there's no argument, I mean, with any of them. So, I, I no, there is no wrong or right. It's about personal taste. And right. for me, hearing tracks like Nib, uh, the Wizard, and obviously Black Sabbath. Yeah, what about that opening riff? Yeah, oh, just incredible. You put it on uh, vinyl, let it go, and just let let it just let it just kick in. That static cuts through the static, man. That's nothing. It's the like only it. it's the only way I listen to it on vinyl. I think I think with albums like that, you have to go back and listen to them at the source. You have to. And for those who don't, I would highly and highly recommend you invest in a uh, in a record player and. Uh, in this world of digital media and uh, artistic corruption via Spotify and all that shit. And of course, if you ever get the opportunity, go to Maple Durham Watermill, which is where the photography was, uh, where the photograph was taken for that first album. How far away is that from you? Yeah, it still exists. Uh, it's, It's in Oxfordshire which isn't a million miles away from me. Relatively speaking, it's, you know, down the road. But uh, it, it's a great location, and you can still go there today and have your photograph taken in the pose of, of that first album sleeve, if that was what you want to do, which is, is one of the things I want to do. That is exactly. You've never done that? No, no, no. But I am going to go and do it at some point. Wait, we're going to go. I feel like we're going to go and do that together. That's going to be, that's that's gonna probably be a I'm, good idea. When I'm over there, that's going to And uh, I might climb the mountain with you, too. You know, go, why not? While whilst you're here, let's climb a mountain and go to the, the the set for the first Black Sabbath album. You heard it here live. This is going to happen within the next man. We'll say year and a half. How about that? Yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. That'd be good. <laughs> and then we'll celebrate with a with a with a bunch of pints. And like, <laughs> now we're that? talking. Yeah, we can. It's all about balance, folks. You know, absolutely. A lot of walking, a lot of beer. I I don't really drink beer much anymore but i will make an exception for that because dude there's something about it man when i was in london it's just so cool to be in a british fucking like old school pub with a proper pint of beer and i'm just like this is this is kind of what life's about at this moment you know what i mean it was one of those things you can't bait british beer no i love it it's it's fantastic that and it's as it's as huge here now as wine has ever been. I mean, you know, you get wine connoisseurs that say, "Oh, I have this particular grape and all that sort of nonsense." But beer now is becoming an you know, it's an artisan thing. People are creating different beers from different things. Oh, craft uh, beer is huge over here, man. Especially where I'm from in Pittsburgh, we're, we're getting like a craft beer museum here, and like it's like really crazy. Yeah. See, I'd go there. And say to you that I'm, I'm going to go there and watch you know how they make it and all that. But what I'm really interested in is at the end of the tour when you get to so, get to sample it. Absolutely, and anybody that tells you differently is just lying, probably. Oh, absolutely. Oh, I've been to lots of breweries and just gone. Oh, this is yes, hops. You say, oh, that's Fantastic. interesting. Yeah. When's the bar open? 
Yeah. Where's this sample that I paid five dollars for? What is this? Yeah. <laughs> That's exactly what we're there for. <laughs> we, did we, we did that last time we were in Cleveland. There's a great brewery called Great Lakes. You probably have never heard of it, but it's very close to me, and it's uh, it's awesome. But uh, they give you free samples on the tour, so that's you know, if you're ever in Cleveland, highly recommend the uh, Great Lakes Brewery tour. When uh, they're great, very. You nice. don't have to do that, man. This is awesome. And of course, let's celebrate the APAs, the American Pale Ales, like Sierra Nevada, for example. Great. Oh, there you go. There you go. You know, you know, uh, you got your American beer down. You know, Absolutely. the oldest brewery in America is in Pennsylvania, Yingling. I did not know that. Not that I think it tastes like shit, but so I'm going to have every <laughs> Pittsburgher in my door trying to fight me in like an hour. <laughs> I thought for a minute there you were in the in the tone of celebration, but actually you just pulled the rug from under. See there. that? Yeah, that's what I. Oh, I was like, this is not only entertainment but information, so it's infotainment. It and is. I was just I was drawn in then for a second, and you just went. Ah, and, shit. Yeah, I got to be honest though, you know, there's plenty better ones. <laughs> there's plenty, but it's still cool <laughs> that the oldest brewery in America is, you know, it's here. Yes, let's celebrate that, shall we? We celebrated our independence from you. Yeah. Bloody colonials. Yeah, I know. Tell me about it. <laughs> Coming up with your own ideas, wanting to run your own countries. God, what do you think you are? <laughs> how, I bet. How is, history's probably taught a lot different over there now that I think about it, you know? Like, do you guys learn about the American Revolution? Yeah, I actually did it at school. Did you? I did, yeah. I don't remember yeah, an awful lot about it, but I remember. I remember yeah, I don't remember it. a lot about it either. I was kind of fucked up during my school years, but. um. Yeah, I'd imagine the history books are a little bit different here about that whole conflict versus how they are over there. Oh, yes, I would imagine so. I, I would mean, imagine I think, so. But I think we are a, a self-criticizing people. We understand where we could have done things a lot better in, in, in a place in history. We've got our own dark past, a very, very checkered and dark past, I may add. Uh, well, we, don't so need we but we just are kind of just keep saying we're awesome no matter what. That's it, man. Just punch the air. That's kind of, say, that's kind of the American, uh, the American philosophy. But you know, not to get controversial here, but rock and roll came from the blues, which came from slavery. So if there is any glimmer of light in that very dark era of American history, is that we got rock and roll in the blues. And that's propelled people to live better lives since it's created. So, and it came came from a true place of darkness and sadness, man. So that's where you got the legit music. I couldn't have put it better myself. You know, so God bless. <laughs> you know, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> then we'll leave it to the Rolling Stones and the Beatles to take that and pioneer and and engineer it into what we know and love as rock and roll and all that stuff. Absolutely. Yeah, man. You guys are. The uh, we are, we are indebted quite a bit to the British music. I feel like for pioneering rock and roll so much, and David Bowie and the Rolling Stones. I mean, what would you would say? What would blacks? What would metal be without Black Sabbath? Or what would what would music be without those guys? I don't know. It would be a, a very different place, most certainly. But there'd always be somebody that would take that that torch and 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 blaze the trail, as it were. So, you know, we can say, we can remove all these different artists away, but there'd always be someone going, oh, yeah, I forgot about them. <laughs> and those are the guys that probably would have taken the forefront of the music scene, perhaps. True. I don't know. We're just two guys chatting. We're just two guys chatting, yeah, yeah. I just, I, I love to get your perspective on things, the being just overseas and where that whole thing is. That, that's fascinating to me. 
you know, because my favorite, my favorite, favorite records, my favorite metal bands, Black Sabbath, and I think my favorite. I've said this before. My favorite album of all time is Ziggy Stardust. Really? Yeah. I mean, I heard that. It's like to this day, I hear the um, the intro of Five Years, that snare drum, and it doesn't matter what place I'm in in my life or where where i'm at anywhere i just i'm instantly happy like to the point that it's almost like a religious experience for me like something kind of just lights up so you have had the same well similar experience and of music connecting with happy memories absolutely man I, there's a soundtrack to my life that you know is, is buried in my psyche you know i associate memories with music i've always i've always associated things and i can hear a song and go back right to you know anywhere that i was when i first heard it or you know who i was with or you know what girl i was trying to bang at the time or anything like that but, <laughs> you know it's, it's the like, music it's all, of teenage angst for better or for worse it's all there and um i don't know any other medium that can come close to music in that way and I, I feel bad for people that don't have that that connection I can never understand it with people you know i've spoke to people in the past and go uh, do, do, what music do you listen to Oh, anything. Yeah, go, that's what? the worst answer. Yeah, worst answer ever. And then they go, do you listen to music in the car? No, no, I don't listen to music in the car. Oh, do you have a record collection? No, I don't have a record collection. Do you, you know, I can't, I can't imagine a world without music, but some people can. And I, I can't get my head around that. I don't think I ever will get my head around that either. Well, that's why I'm, I'm very sure in my uh, Death Comes Lifting uh, ethos to uh, teach the children about uh, Black Sabbath and uh, that's Whilst getting fit and healthy yeah oh yeah it's a very what a bright uh, idea it goes it goes hand in hand and it, it works really well you use it at first as a motivator just kind of background music and then you know they might start what is this they might start asking you you know it's i see it happen all the time and there's that's that that's one of the best feelings in the world is uh you know exposing the youth to what true rock and roll is in a you know in a positive way you don't want it to you know anything to affect them negatively or have a bad influence on them. But as long as you explain the true meaning of everything and, you know, where it all came from and they can appreciate it as an art form and kind of as an outlet, you know, if it wasn't for music, man, straight no, up. I mean, I, I took my eldest nephew, the first ever concert I ever took him to was to go and see the doors. Oh man. Wow. They came over here. I mean, obviously Jim died in 71, but Right, they came over here with Ian, Ian Asprey from the Cult, and they performed "L.A. Woman" for the first time live here in the UK. And uh, I remember just watching his face as uh, <laughs> as, as you heard that first, and hearing that, and then just looking at the boy and just thinking, "Yep, that's just a that's a moment in his life." Uh, and that was an incredible moment for me. And I remember taking my youngest nephew to go and see Slayer. That was his first live concert. Oh, what a great first live show. Good for you, man. Yeah, that I thought, I thought my, un my uncle duties were done. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, he, he, his mind was blown by that, and mine as well. You know, that was, it was just an incredible experience for both of us. But They're, they're great. Sorry to see those guys go. They're on their last uh, their last tour. I don't know how long Absolutely. it's going to last, but it's their final tour. I remember my eldest nephew when he was about eight years old, introducing him to the Orb. You introduced uh, me to the Orb. I introduced you to the Orb, yeah. Yeah, the Orb's amazing. 
Yeah. For those Can you imagine that in the mind of an eight-year-old? Yeah. <laughs> it's like, wow, this is really good. What is this? Like, interesting <laughs> they're a world game. beyond our own. Right, yes, they're a world. <laughs> Let's explore them, uncle. Yeah. It's a 23-minute track. Just sit back here, kid. Sit here, kid. And just absorb it all in. Yeah, man. <laughs> I, uh, I took my little sister to her first rock show this year, and it was uh, Alice Cooper. Oh, I felt yeah, very proud of that. Yeah, you should do. You know, yeah. it, I think if you're going to take a kid to a concert, then make sure it's a good one. Right. Don't, don't let their first concert be something naff. Yeah, something that, that, that later in life they regret and go, "Oh, really? Was that my first ever gig?" Oh no, no, man. Alice really? Cooper brought the thunder. As he always does, I knew it was going to be great. And there, think about that guy, right? He's like seventy-two. He's been writing. He's been writing songs for teenagers since he was a teenager, basically. And it's it yep. resonates with my fourteen-year-old sister right now in two thousand nineteen. He's seventy-two. So what a lasting impact that you can have on rock and roll. Absolutely, and he plays golf really well. <laughs> he's yeah. like an elite golfer. He's a is a pro. He's got his own golf course and he does club and all sorts of things going uh, yeah i think it's important to to make sure that if you've you know with, with kids that you you, you give them a bit don't just influence them in one type of music but give them the best experience of what you can provide for them in terms of music because that will shape their life completely in terms of creativity in terms of it's almost like giving them the right emotional setting to begin their existence their conscious existence how about that? I mean, for me, truth. My first gig that I remember going to see was Iron Maiden uh, with a friend of mine. I was about thirteen years old, some fourteen years old, perhaps, and it was the first gig that I remember paying a ticket to go and watch. Right. So I had to save up my pocket money to buy a ticket, and uh, I remember just being completely blown away by it. Absolutely Incredible. blown away. We drank a load of beer before we went in. For sure. <laughs> we have to, man. That's a good yeah, experience when you're a kid, man. And that was, was like, that was Slipknot. Yeah. Another great band. A great live band. I've seen them many times. Fucking blew me away all over the place. I was like, whoa, this is what a rock concert's like. Then you, you know, you go to a few and find out they're not all like that. But no. it, was, it was a great, great experience. Yeah. I was 13 with my buddy, saved up money just like you. We went up. It was. It's awesome. These Never are life forget that shit. Stays with you. Absolutely. These are life-affirming moments. Yes, and then you can grow up to be in such uh, prestigious positions <laughs> as you and I with all this wealth of information and heavy metal and fitness. <laughs> <laughs> well, wealth of knowledge is debatable. This is true. You know, we don't have to get into that, but yeah, this nah. is true. <laughs> we can let other people debate it for us. Yeah, I'm sure they will after listening to this. <laughs> let's bring this let's bring this full circle what what uh what kind of music are you gonna be listening to and what kind of training are we going to be doing to get you uh ready for your for your next uh goal You're, anything hard heavy fast paced yeah all right we'll have to update the playlist maybe maybe playlist we'll refresh your we'll update the adams adam onslaught playlist maybe well it's about four hours longer than minute yeah that's great. I don't, I don't think I could train for four hours, but I could certainly listen to music for four hours. That's for sure. Yeah, man. We'll switch up the tunes maybe. And we'll uh, just, just start, man. Start slow. You've been going to the gym consistently and, you know, just keep that up. I will indeed. That's uh, all. Set that mental, set your men, set your mind right. And just get into the, get into the habit and then the diet will come. And, you know, 
I know we've worked on diet before. You seem to be doing pretty well. It all kind of does fall into place. I mean, once you, I think, but like you say, once you're sowing the seeds with your mind and get your mind in the right place, I think the rest then follows after that. You have to be in the right mental frame of mind. I have to, I have to be that way in anything that I do. I have to be in the right frame of mind to do it. Even record my own shows, even record uh, adverts that I do for the radio station, anything like that. anything that requires a level of creativity, whether it's my own creativity for my own physical well-being, or whether it's creativity as in output broadcasting output, all requires the same level of thought uh, and the same level of effort. Uh, but it has to start with the mind and you know you if you get your mind in the right place you'd be very surprised at what you're able to achieve I'm, I'm i'm constantly surprised by myself all the time truth on it man you should um do you meditate at all have you tried to so do you say meditate yeah <laughs> oh yeah i thought i'd be surging i'm only joking uh i, I don't my, my mind is never quiet it's that's the that's why you need to meditate that's why yeah. it's so hard at first, man. But you, I, I, that's my first, my first training recommendation for you is to do one minute, just try one minute at a time of just close your eyes, breathe for one minute. And then gradually yeah. that one minute will become two and then two will become five. And then you will go from there. See, my mind works the way I used to DJ three records ahead every time. Yeah. And that's what I'm thinking, I'm even thinking now what I've got to do for the rest of the afternoon. Me too. So, man. But so it's like, my, my mind constantly works that way. I'm trying to keep ahead of myself constantly. And sometimes, yeah, like you say, you have to take that moment just to stop. Remember, take a deep breath. you are strongest when your mind is calm. That's everybody. Remember that. Tell yourself that. I couldn't agree more. I that putting need to practice is a completely different thing. This is true. But we will do that, and we'll and we'll reconvene, and we'll 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 have a we'll have a checkup into your training Sounds session. Good this Sounds is a, good to me. This is a great. This is a great time, man. I really appreciate you. This is a good, good conversation. Thank you so much for having me. I'm, I'm, I'm deeply honoured to call you a friend. Me too, man. Likewise, it goes both ways. And uh, they, they, for anybody that thinks we're joking, I will come over there and climb this fucking mountain with you and get this and get this photograph on the first Black Sabbath album, and that is happening. We'll get the first photograph of us the mountain. Second one at the mill. Third one. At the pub. In the pub. Yeah. <laughs> On the pub floor. Yeah. We might pull that one a bit later. <laughs> from the from the mountain peak to the pub floor with that yeah. onslaught and death comes lifting. About there that. you go. There's a book. Boom. That's what we do. <laughs> We've just created a book title. We did. Well, thanks, Adam. <laughs> this is great, man. I hope to talk to you soon. You will. And thank you very much. And thanks to everyone for stopping by and taking the time to listen to us. Two old fellas waffling on about music health fitness and life but i hope that uh, you found some of it if not all interesting thank you black sabbath forever love you freaks